Now the surah is named Al-Imran, the family of Imran. And Allah mentioned that He chose the family of Imran. And the family of Imran includes who? Imran himself. Okay. It includes Maryam. It includes Isa alayhi salam. Okay. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us the story of the family of Imran. That how did they become chosen? How did this begin? Because no one reaches success just like that. No, it begins somewhere. The seed was put somewhere or the other. So how did the story begin? How did Isa a.s. come about? How did Maria come about? How did they become special people? When and where and how did this begin? A'udhu billahi rahim Allah says, إِذْ قَالَتْ When she said, who said? Imra'atu Imran, the wife of Imran. So the story of the success of Alur Imran begins with who? The statement of a woman. And who is that woman? The wife of Imran. Who was she? Her name was Hannah. Anne. In Arabic, Hannah. And otherwise, she was known as Anne. She was the mother of Maryam, Umm Maryam. She was the grandmother of Isa a.s. Jaddatu. Isa ibn Maryam. So, إِذْ قَالَتْ When she said, who? Imra'atu Imran. She said, Rabbi, oh my Lord. So she's talking to Allah. When you love someone, then you talk to them. If we love Allah, then we should be of those people who make dua to Allah, who talk to Allah. So she is talking to her Lord. She's saying something. And what did she say? That Rabbi inni that, O oh my Lord, indeed I nadartu laka. I dedicate by vow to you. For you. For your sake. Nadartu, from the root letters noon dal ra, another is to dedicate, to pledge, to make a vow, to do something that is not obligatory on someone. So for example, a person says, I make another that I will fast every Monday. Meaning, I make this obligatory on myself. And I do this for you, O Allah. Okay? Nadr. So, it is to voluntarily dedicate. Voluntarily dedicate. You're not obligated to dedicate. You're not obligated to do that. But you voluntarily do it. So she says that, O Allah, I dedicate voluntarily, laka for you, meaning for your service. What am I dedicating? The money that's in my wallet? The weekends that I have? Two hours a week? She says, مَا فِي بَطْنِي Whatever that is in my belly. Whatever child that is in my body, in my belly, I dedicate that child for you. What does it mean by this? مَا فِي بَطْنِي Batn is used for the abdomen. Okay, the entire abdomen. So she is referring to the womb. So whatever that is in my womb. And notice the word whatever, ma. Ma means whatever, whether male or female, whether one or two. Okay? How many ever you give me, but whatever is in my womb, meaning whatever child is developing inside of me, I am going to dedicate this child for you. That means that that child will be muharraran. One who is set free. Set free from what? From giving me my rights. 
from serving me, from fulfilling my expectations. The word muharrar is from the root letters harara. Hurriya means freedom. And muharrar is one who has been set free. One who has been set free. Typically, people, are they free? We think we are free. But we are tied up in so many chains and so many fetters and shackles. For example, you are tied up to your house. You're tied to your kitchen. You're tied to your laundry. Isn't it? You say, I'm not going to wash my clothes. Eventually a time will come when you have to wash your clothes. You say, I'm not going to bother cleaning my house. But eventually a time will come when you have to clean the house. Isn't it so? So we as people are tied up with many roles and responsibilities. Isn't it so? And most importantly, we are tied to the people who are around us. For example, your mother. Are you tied to her? Your parents, are you tied to them? Yes. In what way? Before you go anywhere, you have to ask them. Right? Every day you have to talk to them and you have to tell them about what you did, what you didn't do. Sometimes even when girls are married, they're living in their own houses with their own children. Their mothers expect them that they should call and give them an update of the entire day. What did you cook? Where did you go? What did your son do? What new word did he say today? Right? Well, how's the weather? And you're tied up. And if you forget to call or you don't get a chance to call, then you get it. Right? You're tied to your work. You have to show up on time. You're tied to your classes. You're tied to your children. You have to change their diapers. You have to cook for them. Correct? But Hannah, Imra'at or Imran, she says that, Oh Allah, the child that is in my womb is going to be set free from what? From the service of people. From the service of this world. Set free from all obligations, from all duties, set free from everything. Why? So that that child can be dedicated for your service and your worship only. You know, recently a sister came up to me and she said, I've been married for so long, my children are now old. You know, they're grown up. They're pretty independent. I just feel like I've given them a lot of time. And I want to just take a month or two out and go somewhere and just study there and worship Allah there and, you know, do whatever I want to there. Because at home I, you know, because I'm there, everybody comes to me. They expect from me. So I just want to free myself for just a month. I just want to take a break for a month or two and do things my way. But can you do that realistically? You can't. But... Look at this woman. She says that I am going to dedicate my child. My child is going to be dedicated for the worship of Allah only. Freed from every responsibility. Only worshipping Allah. Muharraran. And then she says, فَتَقَبَّلْ minni, Oh my Lord, accept this from me. I am offering the best of what I have for you. You accept it from me. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ Indeed you are the all-hearing, the all-knowing. You hear my supplication, you know my state. Now this woman, very interesting story about her. It is said that she did not have any children for a very long time. And once she saw 
a bird or a chicken or a hen, attending to its chick. And when she saw that, she just, you know, made a wish, made a dua from the bottom of her heart that, Oh Allah, please, I want a child too. So Allah gave her a child. She became pregnant. But once she became pregnant, soon after that, her husband passed away. Now imagine, a woman who hasn't had a child her whole life, and then finally she becomes pregnant and her husband dies. What do you think will help her move on from one day to the other? What will help her? What do you think? It's that hope that I'm going to have a child, right? She's looking forward to having a child. Each day that she lives, yes, she remembers her dead husband, but then she thinks, okay, I'm closer to the birth of my child. Isn't it so? Now, that child, you think she is indifferent to that child? Then yeah, okay, I'm going to have a baby. You think she's going to have such normal feelings towards her child? No. That child is the most precious belonging that she can have. Isn't it so? the most valuable, the most important being in the world for her. Because that child is hers. Her husband's not there. That child is hers. She can say, he or she is mine. And imagine the kind of dreams and the hopes that she will have for that child. That when my child is born, I will do this, and I will take her there, and I will dress her or him like that. Any expectant mother has dreams and hopes for her child. If it's a boy, I'll name her this. If it's a girl, we'll name her that. Right? And look at her. She says, Oh Allah, this child of mine, I'm dedicating it for you. I give the most precious one that I have to you. That's love. We think we love Allah and we can say, Yeah, I prayed. Yeah, I love Allah and I gave sadaqah five years ago or five days ago. Yeah, I love Allah and I sometimes read the Qur'an. Yeah, I love Allah. We all say that. This is love. Love makes you sacrifice. Love makes you give up what you love the most. Love makes you sacrifice what you want for yourself. If a mother loves her child, she will give up her sleep to attend to her child. She will give up her outings. She will give up her freedom because she has that child. I know so many mothers whose lives have become completely changed. Why? Because they had a child. Before they were so outgoing, so social, you know, going to every party, late, whatever. And now that they have a child, they say, no, I can't go because my child sleeps at this time. I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm not going here, I'm not going there, I'm not doing this, not going that. Why? Because of my son, because of my daughter. They sacrifice everything for their children. Why? Because they love their children. We claim to love Allah, but we're not willing to sacrifice anything for Him. Even if it means some sleep. Even if it means staying hungry for just morning until sunset. Like fasting. We don't want to give up our eating. We don't want to give up our rest. We don't want to give up our comfort. We don't want to give up our weekends. We don't want to give up a few hours for the sake of Allah. 
She says, إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لَكَ مَا فِي بَطْنِي مُحَرَّرًا فَتَقَبَّلْ مِنِّي Oh Allah, you accept from me. I want this. Please accept this from me. فَتَقَبَّلْ مِنِّي And she says, you are the hearing, you are the knowing. You know my intention, you know my desire, you know what I want, you accept from me. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيرُ الْعَلِيمُ Now the question is, how did she want to dedicate her child? She was from the Bani Israel, because obviously she was the mother of Maryam. She was from the Bani Israel. And there was a tradition in that time that parents would make a vow to dedicate their children for the service of the Bayt al-Maqdas. That as soon as a child was old enough, the child would stay in the Bayt al-Maqdas day and night. What would that child do? Study the deen, worship Allah, stay in the mosque. Okay? So you can think of it like a hostel. Okay, like a boarding. That the child is there 24-7. That's his home. That's where he lives. And the family can come and visit him sometimes or he can go visit the family sometimes. Right? But any child who goes to boarding, what happens eventually? After a few years, he's done. But at that time, a child who was dedicated for the service of the deen, he was there for the rest of his life. Now imagine, she doesn't want that the child should grow up and should take care of her, should earn for her, that she's able to see her child every day and be happy and have a good life with that child. No, she says, I love my child, I want that child to serve the deen. فَتَقَبَّلْ مِنِّي إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ And it was a tradition amongst the Bani Israel. And children at a very young age, you can think of it as three years of age, they would be sent to the Bayt al-Maqdis. And obviously, it would be boys only. And she expected that she would have a boy. Okay? But what happened? فَلَمَّا وَضَعَتْهَا But when she delivered her, وَضَعَتْهَا From the root letters, وَضَعَتْهَا وَضَعَ And وَضَعَ is to lay a burden down. That you're carrying a burden and then you put it down. You're free of it. So it refers to when she delivered her child. So when she delivered her, قَالَتْ She said, meaning Imra'atu Imran, she said, Rabbi, O my Lord, إِنِّي وَضَعْتُهَا أُنْسَا I have given birth to a girl, to a female child, Unsa, Hamza Nunsa. Why is she saying that? As if she's apologizing to her Lord. That, oh Allah, I wanted to dedicate my child for the service of your deen, and I thought it would be a boy, but it's a girl. I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. I can't dedicate my girl. I mean, girls don't go to the Bayt al-Maqdis. So it's as if she is sad. And she's worried that perhaps her nadr was not accepted by Allah. Do you see what I mean? So it's as if she's apologizing. That, إِنِّي وَضَعْتُهَا unsa. Allah says, وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ And Allah knows best. Allah knows better. بِمَا وَضَعَتْ Of what she gave birth to. Even before she gave birth to her child, Allah knew what she was going to give birth to. Allah knew it was going to be a girl. وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا وَضَعَتْ Allah says, وَلَيْسَ الذَّكَرُ كَالْأُنْسَى And the male is not like the female. الذَّكَرُ From the root letters, ذَا الْكَافْرَةِ 
And unsa from the root letter is hamza noon, sa. A male is not like the female. A boy is not like a girl. A boy can never be like a girl. A boy can never be like a girl. A boy can never do what a girl can do. A man cannot do what a woman can do. Meaning, they are both different. She expected a boy. And Allah gave her a girl. Why? Because that girl was to do something that a boy can never do. And what is it that she had to do? She had to give birth to Isa alayhi salam, which a boy could never ever do. وَلَيْسَ الدَّكَرُكَ unsa. And this is a reality in general as well. That a boy is different from a girl and a girl is different from a boy. They are not the same. No matter how much people tell you, they are the same, they are not the same. And you know that. You're very different from your brother. I have two kids, one boy and one girl. And there is a huge difference between the two. One is three years old, the other is one. But still I see such a huge difference between the two. Why? Because they're of different genders. Right? We see that there's obvious differences between men and women. What? Obvious differences. In their physiology, in their body, in their psychology, in their thinking. Right? Even if you put a girl and a boy together, and you raise them up in the same situation, still a girl and a boy will be different. And a girl, even if she's brought up with brothers, even if she's brought up with men around her, she's trained to be tough like a boy, but still, when she becomes a mother, she becomes different. Isn't it so? She becomes completely different. She's not like the boy that she used to be. So, وَلَيْسَ الدَّكَرُكَ unsa. They're not the same. But unfortunately, we are made to think that no, boys and girls, men and women, they are the same, they are equal, and equality means being identical, but that is something completely false. That is not true. It can never happen. This whole thinking that women should become equal to men is based on the premise that women cannot be good unless they become men. And this thinking itself is bad. Women are good as women and men are good as men. So be yourself, be who you are. And why do we think that we can only be good when we become like men? This is not true. Does a donkey become good when he becomes a monkey? If a donkey tries to be like a monkey, hopping around you know, from one tree to the other, I'm sorry, he'll fall really bad. He'll hurt himself. So be yourself. Accept who you are. Allah made you a woman, be a woman. Allah made you a man, be a man. You'll reach your best potential when you accept yourself the way Allah has made you. And like we learned earlier, that people are different. Of the ways in which people are different is their gender as well. Right? But this difference doesn't matter much. What matters most is the actions that a person performs. So anyway, وَلَيْسَ الدَّكَرُكَ unsa. And the male is not like the female. The boy can never be like the girl. Allah accepted her dua. Allah accepted her dedication. And there is a reason why He gave her a girl and not a boy. Then she says, the mother of Maryam, she says, وَإِنِّي And indeed I, سَمَّيْتُهَا Maryam. I name her Maryam. سَمَّيْتُهَا From the root letters, wow seen meme. Okay? Same root as 
Ism. Ism is name. And Samma Yusami Tasmiya is to give a name. So I have named her Maryam. I have selected the name Maryam for my child. That's what she said when that baby was born. She said, it's a girl. And Allah knows what I've given birth to. And the boy cannot be like the girl. I have a girl. There's a reason why Allah gave me a girl. I have to do something with this girl. And I name her Maryam. Why did she give her the name Maryam? Allahu Alam. Allah knows best. And the name Maryam, what does it mean? Anyone named Maryam here? Many people. So what does your name mean? Devoted to Allah. Worshipper of Allah. The one who is devoted to Allah. It is also said that the name Mary, it means wished for child. Meaning the child who was wished for. So she wished for a child. And when she was given a child, she named her Mary, Maryam. So, وَإِنِّي سَمَّيْتُهَا Maryam, وَإِنِّي أُعِيذُهَا بِكَ And I give her in your protection. أُعِيذُهَا أُعِيذُ I seek refuge for her, بِكَ with you. Meaning, I give her in your protection. From the root letters, عَيْنُ وَاوْذَالِ I seek refuge for her. وَذُرِّيَّتَهَا And also her children. Amazing. The baby is just born and she says, Oh Allah, I give my child in your protection. And also the children of my daughter, I give them in your protection as well. Now her baby is born and she's thinking about her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. All of them in the protection of Allah. وَذُرِّيَّتَهَا مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ From the shaitan, the accursed. Parents make many du'as for their children. How many of you are mothers? Mothers or expectant mothers. Okay. Parents make many du'as for your children. So all of you children here, your parents made many du'as for you. Okay. All the du'as that parents make for their children, would somebody like to share? What kind of du'as did you make for your children? That, oh Allah, make my child the coolness of my eyes. Someone who's a source of comfort and happiness for me. Make my child healthy. Her mom wished that she would be pretty. Every parent wants a beautiful child, of course. Why not? That give them the tawfiq to pray salah, to do good deeds. Make them die as Muslims. Yeah, Okay, so parents make many du'as for their children. And the du'a that a person makes for their child is based on, you can say the dreams that they have for their child. Isn't it? Like for example, somebody wants that their child should grow up and be happily married and be very successful in their life. So they would say that, oh Allah, make my child beautiful, healthy, you know, intelligent, smart. Right? So the du'as that they make are related to the kind of hopes, aspirations that they have for their child. If somebody wants their child to become a scholar, then they will make such du'as. Okay, Now, of the du'as that we should make for our children is what? That may Allah protect them from shaitan. Why? Because shaitan is our greatest enemy. Shaitan hates us, is after every single one of us. And he hates human beings so much, he's out there to hurt us so bad, that as soon as a child is born, what does shaitan do? Hits him. 
Imagine. The child has barely come out of the womb of the mother and the shaitan goes and hits the child. As if he's angry that, oh, another human being. Why is he here? I'm gonna take him to hellfire. And he goes and hits him. So, Maryam's mother, what does she say? Oh Allah, I give my child in your protection and her children as well. In your protection, save them from the evil of shaitan. Which is why when our children are born as well, immediately, what should we do? Immediately, as the child is born, recite Ayatul Kursi. Recite the du'as for protection, for the protection of that child. So, وَإِنِّي أُعِيدُهَا بِكَ وَذُرِّيَّتَهَا مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ فَتَقَبَّلَهَا رَبُّهَا Then her Lord accepted her. Allah accepted her. Being dedicated by her mother. When her mother dedicated her, Allah accepted her, even though she was a girl. Now sometimes it happens that you have you know, a certain plan. You want to do something in a particular way, but it doesn't work out. Like for example, you say that you know, after this course ends, then inshallah I'm going to go and study Arabic properly. I'm going to go to you know, some Islamic university. I'm going to study this. I'm going to study that. You know, I'm going to do this work. I'm going to do that work. But what happens before even your course ends, your parents get you married. And then next thing you know, you have a child. And then the thing you know that life when being married is very difficult, very challenging. You, know, you move from one place to the other. And then five years later, you think, oh, I wanted to go to Egypt and study this and that. I wanted to do this and that, but I could never do it. So what should you do? What should you think at that time? Fail. Yeah? I'm such a failure. Forget it. I'm not worth anything. No. At that time, think that there has to be a reason why whatever happened, happened. And you're supposed to make something out of what Allah put you in. Maryam mother wanted a boy. She wanted to dedicate that boy in the Masjid Al-Aqsa. But she had a girl. Did she say, okay, forget about it? No. She didn't give up. She said, okay, with this girl I have to do something. I have to do something. I'm not going to give up. And believe me, as long as you're determined, you have the intention to do something for the sake of Allah, Allah will make you do it the way you cannot even imagine. Let me tell you the story of Al-Huda in Canada. Many ladies, many, many ladies, they will tell you about how they used to study, you know, in small groups, they would go to their friend's house and they would listen to a lecture together, lectures of tafsir, and they would do the lesson and they would ask for the assignment or the test to be sent and then they would do it and it would take months to get through one juz, sometimes years, and slowly and gradually they were doing it and then they found out that somebody else was doing it too, so they got together and then eventually there was a group of women who would get together in a masjid or in a basement of somebody's house. In the morning they would get together and study the Qur'an and then they used to make dua that, Oh Allah, you know, we would like to go further with this. And then what happened? That, Alhamdulillah, we have this institute here. Gradually it started from there. Many women, they've told me, that when they came to Canada, when they came to the States, they used to wish that, Oh Allah, give us good company. Give us you know, a place where we can go and study and be connected with the deen, be connected with the good people. You know, They would make that dua. A lady, she used to mention that when she came here, she was all alone, no relatives, no one at all. 
And she used to make dua constantly that, Oh Allah, I want good people around me. I want good people around me. And you think that the way to get to good people is going to Egypt or going to Pakistan or going to India or something like that. You might have that huge plan in your head. But you have the desire, Allah can bring people to you. You have that yearning, Allah will bring that opportunity in your very own house, in your very own city. You thought it was too hard. You wanted to go the longer way. You wanted to go to Egypt and come back. You wanted to go to Saudi and come back. You wanted to go to Pakistan and come back. But Allah brought it to you. Why? Because of your wish. Because of your determination. So be determined in your heart. Have that desire in your heart. I remember when I studied the Qur'an, when I did the course, I was very young, in my teens. And I had a very nice plan. Okay? My sister and my friend, the three of us, we had a very good plan. Everything was planned out. What was that plan that we were going to go together to Jordan or something like that and in a particular university and we were going to study there for four years and we we're going to come back and do this and do that. But before anything could happen, this friend of mine decided to get married. And then, before something else could happen, my sister decided to get married. And then before something else could happen, I got married. But I always wanted to learn. Always. Always. And many people, they ask me, how did you learn to read Arabic? How did you learn this? How did you learn that? You know what? I didn't go to no big school. I went to the same school that you are in right now. I just, Allah blessed me with access to some some knowledgeable people. And alhamdulillah, I would study on my own, look at dictionaries, read them. It would take me hours to read one page, one line, understand it fully, comparing it with English translations, and whatever I wouldn't understand. I have an Arab friend whom I call. I ask even now, what does this expression mean? I would make her listen from a lecture and say, what is he saying? I do not understand this. So where there is a will, there is a way. You might say, but I'm married now. You might say, but I have children now. I can't do this. No, you can still do it. Be determined. Show some determination to Allah. You can do it. So aim high. Have a purpose in your life. Decide what you want to do. Think about where you want to be. And as long as you're determined, you keep struggling, you keep seizing the opportunities that Allah gives you, Allah will make you reach high. Allah will take you further. Because it's not possible that a person is trying to draw closer to Allah and Allah does not come close to him. No, Allah will bring you close to him. But you have to keep going. But we give up too quickly. We think just because we didn't learn how to read Qur'an when we were five years old, this is why there's no hope for us. I always think, how is it possible for people who were born in non-Muslim families and never heard a word of Arabic, when they were 16, when they were 20, they accepted Islam and now they're fluent in Arabic and you would think that they're from an Arab country. How is that possible? Did they give up? Did they say that no, we can't learn Arabic, we can't recite the Qur'an because we never learned when we were 5 years old? No. Only those people fail who accept failure. The one who wants to go further, the one who has a purpose, an aim, the one who is determined, Allah will take him further. So look at the mother of Maryam. She didn't give up. Just because she had a girl didn't mean she couldn't do anything. No, she could still do something. And she did it. 
Allah accepted her beautifully, graciously. How? That Allah gave Maryam the best opportunities, the best chances, that she excelled the way many men have not even excelled. A hadith of the Prophet ﷺ tells us that many from among the men reached high positions. But very few from the women reached high positions. And of them was who? Maryam so, فَتَقَبَّلَهَا رَبُّهَا بِقَبُولٍ حَسَنٍ وَأَنْبَتَهَا نَبَاتًا حَسَنًا And he made her grow a beautiful growing. Meaning he caused her to grow, he caused her to be nurtured in a beautiful manner. أَنْبَتَهَا From the root letters نُون بَاتَا Nabat is plants. Imbat is to cause plants to grow. Meaning to look after them so that they grow well. They grow healthy. And this word is also used for child growth and development. So Allah caused her to grow and develop nabatan hasanan, a beautiful, excellent, good growth. Meaning she developed beautifully. Now, child development, child growth and development, what does that include? Physical development? But is that it? What else does it include? Mental development? That as the child is growing, he is also learning certain things. By a certain age, he should have learned certain things. What else? What else? Emotional development, right? That he's emotionally stable. You can expect a two-year-old to throw a tantrum. But if a six-year-old is screaming like a two-year-old, that means something went wrong, right? In their growth. Something is not right. Something was missing. Likewise, spiritual development. Okay? That attachment with Allah, belief in Allah, faith. Okay? So her development, her growth, Allah says, was nabat and hasana. Meaning in every aspect, whether it was physical or mental or spiritual or emotional, she was very good. In the physical sense, it is said that when she was growing up, in one year she would grow as much as an ordinary child would grow in two years. Okay? And it happens sometimes that a child is two years old and he looks like a three-year-old. Someone is five years old and they look like six years old or seven years old. Does it happen with you? Does it happen with you? Or, or have you seen it rather? So, in the physical sense, this is how she grew. Emotionally. Imagine she was living far away from her mother. She grew up in the Haikal. Inshallah, we will learn about that in the Masjid Al-Aqsa. But still, she was emotionally stable. If you think about it, she gave birth to Isa salam, and that's not an easy thing. We will learn about that story in Surah Maryam. But how she came back with a child and people accused her of fornication immediately and they said, how could you do this? I mean, that was difficult. But we see that she was emotionally very stable. Then mentally, she knew the knowledge of the book. وَصَدَّقَتْ بِكَلِمَاتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ Then also spiritually, that worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the masjid all day, 24-7, I mean, that's something great. So, وَأَنْبَتَهَا نَبَاتًا حَسَنًا Now, the way a child grows and develops, what is that affected by? The surroundings. So, the surroundings, they really affect child growth and development. Isn't it so? For example, physical health. That is affected by what a child eats, the nutrition that he gets. Right? If his nutrition is neglected, then obviously it will affect his physical development. 
right? If he is getting the nutrition that the body needs, then his physical development will be good, right? Likewise, emotional, how is that affected? That the parents are there, they show love to him. But if a child is neglected, if a child is yelled at, scolded and every little thing, two-year-old is yelled at as if he was a 15-year-old, a one-year-old is insulted and beaten up, obviously it's going to affect him psychologically, mentally, emotionally. Isn't it so? So we see that the way a person grows, the way a child develops, is affected by the circumstances that he is in, the people that he is surrounded by, the opportunities that he or she gets in his life. Correct? Like my first child is very different from my second one. My first child likes to do things, you know, his own way. He doesn't mind quiet because when he was growing up, he was surrounded by adults. And my second one, she loves noise and activity. And if it's quiet, she doesn't like it. If her brother is not home, she will make my life very difficult. And if he's home, she doesn't care whether her diaper is dirty or she's hungry or what. She's busy playing, going from one room to the other. So there is a huge difference between the two. Why? Because they grew up in different circumstances, in a different environment. Now this environment, who provides that for the child? Who provides that for the child? The parents? But is everything in the hands of the parents? No. So at the end of the day, who is it that provides the environment for the child? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why وَأَنْبَتَهَا نَبَاتًا حَسَنًا At the end of the day, who is it that raises a child? Allah. Not you and I. Not you and I. Because we tend to blame the circumstances a lot. We tend to blame people. That because he or she is in our life, this is why a child is like this. Because such and such happened, this is why my child is like this. But you know what? Allah intended that for your child. Allah intended that for your child. So ask Allah for good circumstances as well, for the good development of yourself and also your children. So nabatan hasanan. وَكَفَّلَهَا زَكَرِيَّةً And Allah gave her placed her under the guardianship of Zakariya. Kafala yukafilu takfil kafalam is to make someone in charge of someone. Okay? Like for example, who's your in charge? Your group in charge, right? So likewise, Maryam, who was her in charge? She was placed under the guardianship and care of who? Zakariya. Who was Zakariya salam? He was a prophet of Allah. He was also a relative of Maryam. It is said that he was the husband of her maternal aunt. Okay? So he was also related to her. So وَكَفَّلَهَا زَكَرِيَّةً كُلَّمَا دَخَلَ عَلَيْهَا زَكَرِيَّةً Every time that Zakariya entered upon her. Meaning he came to see her. He came to visit her. What happened? In Al-Mihrab, in the prayer chamber, وَجَدَ عِنْدَهَا رِزْقًا Every time he came to see her, he would find with her rizq, provision. Now, it is said that the mother of Maryam السلام, she brought her to the masjid. And she said, here is my daughter, she is going to stay in the masjid, I have dedicated her for the service. And the leaders of the masjid said, what are you talking about woman? I mean, there are no girls allowed in here. And you might have seen in some places, a woman goes to a masjid and she's told, no, no, no women allowed here, please go. I remember I was traveling somewhere and we were just driving by somewhere and it was 
time for Maghrib Salah and we wanted to pray in the masjid. I wanted to go there. And they said, no, no place for women here. Please go out. I said, I have to pray. Where do I pray? They said, no, you cannot come in the masjid. You cannot even set foot in the masjid. No women allowed here at all. I'm like, am I supposed to pray in the street? Then we knocked on the house that was across from the masjid. And we asked those people if we could pray in their house. And they said, yes, you can come. And we prayed in their house. Imagine. The masjid is huge. It's empty. There is plenty of space. But they say no. So the Bani Israel were in a similar situation. No women there. And especially for staying in the masjid, no women allowed. But the mother of Maryam, she said that no, I made a vow. And Allah blessed me with a girl. And because she was a wife of Imran, who was also a spiritual leader of his time, I mean, people had respect for her because of whose widow she was. And then she also mentioned to them some dreams that she had had. Okay, some dreams that she had had. And because of that, they accepted Maryam. In fact, they didn't just accept her, they were fighting over her. They said, no, we want to be her in charge. We, everyone said that, no, I want to be her in charge. She will be under my care. I will be her teacher. But Zakaria he became her guardian. Why? Because he was a prophet of Allah and he was also her relative. So when he was her guardian, that meant that he would teach her. He would look after her. And because she was the only girl, they had made a separate place for her in the Baytul Maqdis. Where she would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, study, whatever. She would just stay there. And in order to teach her, in order to look after her, Zakaria would come to visit her. Okay? So, Kullama dakhala alayha Zakaria, where in Al Mihrab. Mihrab is from the root letters Haraba, and Mihrab is used for a private, secluded room, and it's also used for the place of the Imam, where the Imam prays. Okay? Like this. Basically, it's used for an arch. Okay? And you will see in many masajid that where the Imam stands, there is an arch. Okay? So, it's like a corner. Why is it called mihrab? Mihrab is from haraba, and harb means war. Okay, when there is war, there is distance between people. Correct. So likewise, the one who goes in the mihrab, there is a distance between him and the rest of the people, in the sense that he is the leader, and the rest are the followers. There cannot be two imams at the same time. So over here, mihrab does not refer to the place of the imam, but rather it refers to the separate room that was made for Maryam. So every time that he would come to see her, he would find with her risk, provision. What was his risk? Some kind of food or fruits or whatever. Because he was the only one who could come there, he would be surprised that how come you already have food? How come you already have this risk? So on that surprise, he would say, Ya Maryam, O Maryam, Anna laki hada. Where did you get this from? Where did this come from? How did you get that? Qalat, she said, huwa min It is from Allah. It is from Allah. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily that food descended from the sky or an angel brought it. No. The means are not mentioned, but the source is mentioned. The source of anything that we have is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the means, they can be different. Okay, the means can be different. Something can come to you by you getting it yourself. Something can come to you by your mother bringing it to you, your sister bringing it to you, your friend sending it for you. Right? Things can come to you through different, different means. 
So she said, it is from Allah, min indillah. And this is a reality, that everything we have is from who? Allah. And Allah puts it in the hearts of people to bring to us what we need. So she said it is from Allah. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَرْزُقُ مَنْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ Indeed, Allah provides whomsoever He wills without any measure. What does it mean by this? Without any account. Hisab is account. That Allah bestows without account, meaning that Allah bestows endlessly. Endlessly. And if you think about it, if you try to do the hisab of the number of breaths that you've taken since you were born, can you try to even estimate that? Can you try to count that? بِغَيْرِ hisab. How many apples have you eaten in your life? بِغَيْرِ hisab. How many grains of rice have you eaten in your life? بِغَيْرِ hisab. So Allah provides whomsoever He wills without any account. And without account also means that as Allah provides, He doesn't ask a person immediately. Meaning Allah does not question a person immediately. If you're in a hotel or something, Sometimes you order room service and as the food comes, you have to pay immediately. Right? But we see that as we breathe, as we live, as we eat, we don't have to pay. No, we don't have to do that. بِغَيْرِ hisab. So Zakariya he was the guardian of Maryam. He would teach her, he would train her. But despite that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent special risk for Maryam as well. Along with that, Allah sent special risk for Maryam. And this risk, scholars have said, it refers to two things. Fruits, food, and secondly, knowledge, like scrolls, information. So this is why Zakariya would be surprised that where is this coming from? How did you get it? So the fact is that it is Allah who gives. We think what we have is coming from people. Our father has a job, our husband has a job. But the fact is that Allah is the provider. The money that you have, that does not provide you. It's Allah who provides for you. So seek from who? Allah. Ask Him for the opportunities, the abilities, the strength. Because only He can give. Aim high and ask Him. Recitation. إِذْ قَالَتِ امْرَأَةُ عِمْرَانَ رَبِّ إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لَكَ مَا فِي بَطْنِي مُحَرَّرًا فَتَقَبَّلْ مِنِّي إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ فَلَمَّا وَضَعَتْهَا قَالَتْ رَبِّ إِنِّي وَضَعْتُهَا قالت رب إني وضعتها أنثى والله أعلم بما وضعت وليس الذكر كالأنثى وإني سميتها مريم وإني أعيذها بك وذري الْمِحْرَابَ وَجَدَ عِنْدَهَا رِزْقًا 